go, Steve. All right, let me get my stuff in here. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Think we're ready to go? All right, we're good to go. We're live. I want to welcome you to worship Heflin Baptist Church this morning for our online service. Thank you so much for joining us. We're blessed to be able to speak to you this morning uh, by way of internet in whichever way you're watching, whether it's Facebook Live or YouTube or any of our other options. We're grateful that you're here this morning. Several things we want to share with you as we are just online only today, that it is just for today, Lord willing. Um, just so you understand, we... Uh, have not experienced a COVID outbreak or anything like that that has uh, uh, caused us to have to have this service on. We just had a lot of other things going this weekend uh, and all the other stuff that's going on. And uh, of course, I was supposed to be with them, but had some things occur that prevented me from doing that. I did miss that opportunity, but I know and can report to you that all is going well. They've had some snow. And all sorts of things. I think uh, sometime today is the skiing event, so extra prayers requested for that uh, so that everybody comes home with all bones in place and nothing fractured, broken, or, or separated or any of that kind of stuff. So do continue to pray for our students. We appreciate uh, those with them leading them this weekend, our, our adults, and we appreciate uh, the kids and your parents for allowing them to go. Uh, we believe it's going to be a great time. So. We uh, are still, uh, of course, in our community, uh, still praying through and experiencing quite a bit of uh, uh, difficulty, uh, even here now, 10 months into this uh, COVID-19 outbreak. Um, thankfully, right here in our church, we do not have that, but now, of course, we know that could change at any time. But Lord willing, our plan is to return to our regular uh, scheduling for next week. That will begin on Wednesday at 6 o'clock with House of Prayer right here with our adults. Uh, students will be meeting downstairs in the cave uh, for middle school and high school students. And then for our uh, children's ministry, they will be meeting also here in the back. So all that's at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. We plan to return to normal on that. So do remember that. Next Lord's Day, Lord willing. We plan to be here for 9 a.m. and 10.30, two worship opportunities for you to take, uh, take advantage of in person. And as always, both services will be streamed live, so you can continue to watch online uh, if you, of course, are not feeling well or if you're having to quarantine because of exposure or, uh, of course, um, of course uh, for any other reason. Uh, and if you're still uh, not ready to return, uh, to church yet, please continue to watch online and stay connected to what's going on with your church family. That is so very important that you do so. I can't stress it enough, uh, but as much as you can, uh, do do take advantage of the in-person worship. That would be very important. I want to spend just a little bit of time this morning because we didn't bring any music or anything. We just wanted to really focus on some things today that... Um, I believe are very important to the future of not only our country but to our churches and to individuals and families as well. Put these over here out of the way for a second. Um, 
I wanted to spend a little time talking about uh, our communication with God, and I wanted to take a little extra time for us to actually uh, spend some time praying together before we look at the text today, because I believe that's so important. I believe Steve's got us set up to where we're going to be able to um, uh, interact with you concerning your prayer requests. So at this time, if you have prayer requests or a praise report, I want to ask you to, uh, if you don't mind sharing that with us, we would love for you to just type it in the comment section, and then we're going to look at those here in just a moment, and then we're going to spend some time praying for those. I know all of you are praying for our country. It's a very pivotal week in the history of our country, and regardless of where you line up politically, uh, if you're a child of God today, I know that your heart is very concerned with all that's going on, and we will want to pray for the health and, and the unity of our country, uh, but also, you know, we just want to pray for all of those that are in possibility of being in harm's way uh, with the extra security that is being brought in, thousands and thousands of extra security National Guard into the Washington, D.C. area, and I'm probably persuaded to believe other areas that they may be concerned would be prone to rioting. Uh, we need to pray for those that will be charged with the responsibility of keeping peace, and not only keeping peace, but uh, upholding the law and uh, protecting uh, the citizens and people like me and you that, that don't seek to cause harm to anybody. We, we want the, the best for everyone. So as we pray for our nation, I, I trust that you'll be praying for those things this week. And while we're talking here, you feel free, as I said, to uh, post any in the comment section of prayer requests. We're going to talk about those in just a minute. Of all the passages that talk about prayer in Scripture, probably one of my favorite, one I quote most to my family and my friends and even our church, is James 5.16, where the Bible says, pray one for another. Confess your faults one to another, for the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. It's not exclusive to males. It's uh, exclusive to those who have been saved by the grace of God. So I want to encourage you to remember that. There's a couple things about, about confessing faults one to another. That's kind of tough because we like to keep those to ourselves. But it is important that we have accountability, I believe, is the stress point there for children of God that we'd have accountability in our lives and that we would uh, have a common fellowship with one another of love and trust and respect. And praying one for another, that's one I believe the greatest form of fellowship any Christian can have. We love fellowship interacting together and we love fellowship of worshiping and even Baptists sharing the casserole dish, which I know we all miss so much during this pandemic. But I believe with all of my heart that... Uh, that God really expects and commands us to pray for one another. As I've told you many times, speaking of how prayer and interceding for others is important for fellowship is because you literally bow your head and bend your knee and call on a holy God on behalf of someone other than yourself. And there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself to walk with God, talk with God, and to do things that are pleasing to God, live a life that is honoring to God, and ask God for those needs that you have. Jesus himself said you have not. I mean, he says, ask and it will be given. James said you have not because you ask not. And uh, when you do ask, you ask amiss. So we believe with all of our heart that, um, that, 
that um, uh, it's important that we call on God on behalf of one another as well as ourselves. And he said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It means it's very profitable, means it is productive. It means that when righteous people call on God, it makes a difference not only for them personally, but for everyone in their circle of influence and for those they're praying for. I don't know about you, but I appreciate being surrounded by praying people. You know, I've told you from the beginning, we can either just be a church that prays or we can be a praying church. I believe that. And I believe if we would choose right, we'd choose to be a praying church. And not just a church that occasionally offers a, a word or two to God, but really a church that believes that calling on God and hearing from God makes such a difference. It avails much. It means it's very profitable and it's very productive. So with that in mind, we're going to take a moment and just look here if we could. Steve, you back me up. And let's see here if we get some prayer requests. Is this where we start right here with Miss Cindy? Uh, is that the first one? Okay. Pray for Jessica Jones. She lost her mother yesterday to cancer. We uh, know how difficult that can be. So, so do lift her up. Let's go on, uh, scroll through if you would, Steve. We're going to pray for these. Steve's been my, my right arm during this pandemic here. Let's see who else we got here. Uh, Miss Catherine Connell says, uh, where are we at here? Okay. God brought my two daughters home to us this week. My nephew, God showed his grace on us. Amen. That's a praise report right there. Praise the Lord for that. that God did that for you and your family. So we're going to uh, praise him for that. Move on to the next one, if you would, Steve. Uh, Rick, my buddy Rick right there. Uh, he's recovering himself, but please pray for his precious wife, Miss Molly. Uh, RMC. That's Keith's mom and Jenna's mother-in-law, and they definitely need our prayers. Miss Linda Heights asks us to pray for Miss Ruth Height. Miss Ruth is approaching the big 100 this year, I believe it is. Is that about right? Am I right on that? You know, Steve. You know everything. Okay. No. Okay. But anyhow, Miss Ruth doing well, and all the others from our church family and all residents there at the nursing home. Okay. Prayers for Debbie Yakely and all suffering from COVID-19 and, and continue to lift up their entire family as we know that's very difficult for, for them as they've lost a daughter this week, a sister, and uh, God help that family. Move on to the next one there, if you would, Steve. Uh, let's see here. Are we at the end? That it? So far? Okay, Steve. All right. Just checking. All right. So those are some very important requests that we have for... Uh, this morning, and I know there are many others, and there are many, probably some that are so close to your heart that are hard to even talk about or talk. That's okay. God knows your heart, and I just ask you to talk to Him about it. And one of my favorite comforts about prayer is in the book of Romans, chapter 8, that the Bible teaches us even when we can't speak, even when we're beyond speaking, and even when we don't know how to pray as we ought to, the Bible says. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. That literally means that the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you as a believer, if you've trusted Jesus as Savior and you've been born again, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, and that person of the Holy Spirit literally goes before the throne of God the Father on your behalf and intercedes for you. That is so amazing to me, and I'm grateful to God to encourage you with those words today that if you don't know how to pray or what to pray, you just bow silently before God and, 
and he can make those intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered, things beyond our ability to speak. So do remember those things, okay? We've got a couple of more, okay? Let's see here. Okay, let's see. Miss Sarah is asking us to pray for her sister, Glenda. Uh, Glenda Williams. I know they need our prayers also. Uh, let's see. Yes, Miss Linda said 100 in April. Miss Ruth's going to be 100 in April. And boy, what a, what a warrior she is. And Miss Mary Merrill's asking prayer for her sister, who is Miss Eileen, is still battling sickness too. So do remember that, okay? So we got all kinds. We got some hellos from Texas and all kinds of stuff. Deep, we're, we're reaching deep into the heart of Texas today, Steve. Okay, so we're grateful to God for that. Okay, before we uh, pray, I want to go ahead and share with you the text for today. We're going to take a short break this week from Psalm 119, and we'll return to that next week, Lord willing. Uh, but I want to encourage you to turn with me, if you have a copy of God's Word, to John chapter 12, verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24. And Steve's going to put an outline up for you in a minute. We're going to walk through that together. And I'll try to be civil and not get too uh, sweaty and, and, and all that kind of stuff today. Uh, but I'm not sure I'll be able to keep that promise because the Word of God is just really powerful in my heart and life and makes a difference. So John chapter 12 is where we're going to look. But before we get to the text, I want to spend some time praying for these requests. You've seen us go in, brought each one of them out to the Lord uh, already. The Lord has heard us. The Lord is hearing you. So I want to ask you to just join with me from your living room or your kitchen table or uh, your coffee pot. Maybe you're just hitting it for the first time this morning. I already hit mine about twice. And yes, I did hit the bold button this morning. It helps a lot. And uh, so if you would, just join me right where you are. And let's just bow our heads together. And, and would you just really help me call on God for this nation this week? I know you've seen the news and all that, and I would encourage you to be informed, but I would not encourage you to be overwhelmed by it because it can so uh, dampen your, your focus on God, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but let's call on God for our nation. Let's call on God on behalf of these that have been so kind to share their requests. Let's call on God for those that are so burdened that they were not able to. Maybe it's a personal thing and they need to keep it there. That's totally fine. But let's call on God together because I know this. The God we call on is able to hear and answer regardless of where we are and regardless of what's going on. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that we can still pray in the name of Jesus a name that is above every name, a name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, God, for the privilege to call on you in Jesus' name. Now, Father, right now, January 17, 2021, a week that is very important in American life and important to the world, and Lord, it's important to you. A week, Father, that we see our nation is experiencing a great deal of chaotic behavior, difficulty. And Father, we don't call out flesh and blood because we realize as children of God that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against political parties, but it's against spiritual wickedness, principalities and powers in high places. Lord, we realize that our battle is a spiritual one and that that battle 
we learn way back in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, we learn from a young shepherd boy named David who later became a king, we learn that that battle is yours, that the battle is yours, it's not ours, that you will fight for us, you will go ahead of us, but that we must be faithful to call on you before, during, and after the battle. Lord, we pray for a peace in this nation this week. We pray, Father, that there will be no outburst of criminal activity, that there will be no rioting where people are hurt and life is lost. We pray, God, that there will be, a, God, just a calm over this nation this week. And we pray, God, that when that does happen, that we'll be able to say it's because the Lord has intervened on our behalf. Lord, I pray for these requests. Thank you, God, that so many sweet people were willing to come and say, hey, we need the hand of God and the help of God on this situation. Thank you, God, for their willingness. God, you heard us call out each name. You heard us call out each request. And I know, God, you'll be faithful to minister in those situations. And Lord, right now, we lift up those who had burdens so heavy and so personal, Lord, that it was more than they could even verbalize. Lord, they need you, the Holy Spirit, to intercede on their behalf for them, God, because they're so burdened, they need you, and they need you now. And Lord, I pray, God, right now for the health and vitality of the ministry of the gospel in this area and beyond. I pray for every pastor who's either preaching in person today or those who are preaching by way of internet and a virtual service. God, I lift them up to you today. Because God, apart from you, we can do no lasting work. But through you, Father, we can be a part of something that hell itself can't stop. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, speak through your word. Challenge and change us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, we're going to give you praise right now for what you're going to do because we're believing that your glory will be revealed even in the midst of utter chaos because you're still Lord. And we acknowledge that today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us in prayer today. And thank you for uh, just calling on God with us because we really believe it makes a difference. John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26 is where we're going to be reading today. As I said, Steve's going to put you up a little outline there that you can follow along with us and because we want to walk through this text today because I believe it's very important. Talking about living the Christ life or the, uh, a productive Christian life, if you will. Uh, that's what we're talking about today because as we walk through this, we'll see exactly the way Jesus meant for us to live. And I'd love to tell you that every moment of my life, I've got it right and done it just the way Jesus did, but I, like you, struggle from time to time, maybe give in to some fear, give in to some anxiety and things like that that would cause us to worry about things that only God can control. But the Bible says these words in John chapter 12, verse 24, if you're following with me. Here's what the Bible says. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. 
He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me where I am, for there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Think about those things for a minute and think about what they mean to us. In our nation, one of the ways that we measure economic health and stability is based on what we call the GNP or the Gross National Product. Uh, that number is watched closely. It is the market value of all products and services produced in one year by labor in this country and properly supplied by the residents of this country. Uh, this GNP is vitally important because we closely track what is being produced in order that we might maintain our nation's economic health, which is very important to not only this nation, but every nation. So just as much as it is important to us today, it should also be important for the church to be able to measure our productivity and influence for the gospel. Sometimes I think we've used the wrong scorecard. Sometimes I think we've used the wrong statistics to be able to determine that. But if our level of productivity, our lack of purpose, or loss of passion ever occurs, the body of Christ and the unbelieving world is greatly affected. Like I've told you many times, you as a Christian, you as your family serving Christ, we as a church should live in such a way that we'd live to be missed. That if we weren't here tomorrow, that there'd be a, a hole, if you will, to avoid because of our presence not being here, uh, that the people around us, our community would be affected because we had been such an influence for the gospel. We don't want to lose our passion. We don't want to lose our purpose. Uh, we want to certainly be faithful to the finish. So in John chapter 12, the text I just read a moment ago, Jesus was with his disciples. And if you read a few verses before that, uh, verse 20 and following, they were approached by a group of Greeks who said, we've come to see Jesus. Well, you know, as the disciples saw that, one of the disciples who we believe was Philip, he, they told Philip they wanted to see Jesus. And Philip, he went and told Andrew, who went to tell Jesus about the request of the Greeks, saying, hey, they want to see him. But if you notice, Jesus responds to requests very differently than most people in our world today. If you remember in Mark chapter 1 where Jesus went to pray and they went and found him and said, hey, they're wanting you over here. He didn't even acknowledge that request. So Jesus, again, he didn't acknowledge this request. He continued forward in preparing them for the events that were about to take place. That's the work of the preacher, the work of the pastor, the work of the evangelist today is that we would prepare the church for what is ahead. Uh, we don't know as prophets from day to day exactly what's going to happen day to day. We do know what the Bible teaches us about end time events and we do know that judgment is coming. We do know that great tribulation is coming. We do know that all of these things are coming so between now and then we're preparing the church for those events and how to be faithful through that. So as Jesus continued to do this, he continued to invest in them because he knew that in less than a week, 
after he spoke these words that we just read a moment ago, he knew that he was going to face the cross of Calvary. His focus was not on being interviewed, but rather declaring the plan of God to redeem mankind from his sins. He could not get his mind off of what was right in front of him because it was of eternal significance. So in this passage, Jesus sets forth some essential attributes, if you will, that must be found in the lives of his children in order that we would live productive and fruitful Christian lives, that we would live the Christ life, the life that Christ went to the cross for us to live. This congregation has heard me several times quote Dr. Stephen Smith, uh, who's now pastor again, was at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He wrote a book called Dying to Preach that has greatly affected my approach to ministry, to the pulpit, and to the people. And he said this about the pulpit. He said the pulpit is the place for the preacher to die so others can live. And I believe that with all of my heart, that when I walk to this platform today, it is not to put on a show, it is not to give a speech, it is not about a performance. It is literally to live a Christ life, one who has, been, has, has died to himself and living for Jesus, that I could help you do the same. So as Jesus himself was teaching on this subject about his own death on the cross, he teaches us how we must die. You must die so that others can live. Not just the preacher, but every follower of Jesus must be willing to die to themselves that they might live for the glory of God, even in the midst of a chaotic culture. Now I want you to notice some of these qualities with me. We're going to walk right through the text beginning in verse 24. Verse 24, when speaking of the Christ life, if you will, teaches us about the certainty of suffering. See, in most cases, even Christians view suffering as punishment for something that they did that displeased God. We, we often see that. I, I hear people say when bad things happen to people, wonder what they did to cause that. Wow. Well, I want to be the first to admit that I believe that our holy God is just that, a holy God. He is one who requires holy character and behavior on behalf of his children. It's not a request, it's a requirement. So when his children stray from the perfect will, for his perfect will for their lives, it is very possible and almost inevitable for them to experience chastisement to bring them back into the perfect will of God so that God might get their attention. But we cannot forget this. In most cases, we must understand that suffering is a natural part of this life. Job said it best in Job chapter 14, verse 1. Long, long time ago, he said, Man that's born of woman's of a few days, full of trouble. Job knew a little bit about suffering, and those of you who are students of Scripture and read this old book in the Old Testament know quite a bit about what he experienced. He went from having it all to having it all taken away. He was living the uttermost life and found himself in the guttermost life. He went from thriving to simply struggling to survive. Many people in our country have gone some of those through some of those same difficult times in their lifetime. 
We know what that's like. We know what it's like when we've gone through times of economic downturn. We've experienced that uh, years back in the last decade. And now we've experienced this pandemic situation. We've saw the housing bubble burst over years in time. And we've saw unemployment surge to all-time highs. We've seen it go to all-time lows. In just a matter of, uh, of months, it was back to an all-time high. And the roller coaster of life continues and things certainly change rapidly around us and that's a lesson we've all learned this past year but here's a question we've got to ask how did Jesus tell us that Christians are to behave and how are children of God to react when we face the difficulties and sufferings of life well, John 16, 33 says this. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's saying, Look, the world might be a mess, but I'm still your master. He said, In this world, tribulation is inevitable, but I'm going to be there for you. I have overcome the world. See, we can never forget that even in the midst of intense suffering, we serve an overcoming God who has given us an overcoming faith and is able to overcome the present sufferings of this life. We can never forget those things, and the words of John 16:33 remind us of such. But listen, Jesus is talking about an altogether different type of suffering in John 12 he is talking about being willing to give yourself away and even give your life for the gospel's sake let me illustrate that for you you can take a grain of wheat from its stalk you can set it aside you can leave it alone for as long as you choose one thing is for certain when you do that the grain will only be one grain. It will not change nor produce any other stalks of wheat, and eventually it will rot and turn to dust and become of no good to anyone. However, once you take the seed and drop it into the earth and cover it with soil, you have positioned that seed to where it will begin to die. But this time... It will not just turn to dust. It will now be responsible for reproducing new life. See, you leave it all alone, it turns to dust and was only one grain. But when you took the one grain and you buried it in the soil and you covered it up, now it is going to be responsible for reproducing life. And when that grain is combined with the soil, when it is combined with the heat of the sun, the moisture of the earth, the outer shell of that seed will break and a small sprout will push through the soil and eventually break through into the sunshine. This is good stuff. See, these things, that the, the seed itself that gave birth to the new plant eventually dies. It is eventually no longer. It disappears. And even though that seed died and seemingly ceased to exist, it gave light to what could become over millions of acres of wheat. Ladies and gentlemen, that one single seed placed in the soil, combined with the soil, 
the heat of the sun, the moisture of the earth cause that seed to die to itself and it springs forth a new sprout that breaks into the sunshine and because that seed gave itself it yielded millions of acres of wheat simply because it died to itself. See there are many heroes of the faith throughout history that have died in the past and most would say that their life is over. If we would look at heroes of days gone by and we would say their life began this day and it ended that day. Friend, I want you to know their physical lives may be over, but their spiritual influence is clearly evident. Think just a moment. Notice what the Bible said about the life of Abel in Hebrews 11.4. It says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it being, and though it being dead, he being dead still speaks. Even though Abel died physically, he was still speaking to the generations that have come since him and even to this day, his testimony still speaks because of the righteousness he displayed before God. Think about some of your biblical heroes. Think about Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Joshua, Caleb, Nehemiah, and so on. Think about those from the Old Testament that lived by faith, believing the promise that there was a better day coming. Think about those from church history. Think about those who were faithful to the word of God, such as Jonathan Edwards and, and George Whitfield and those of centuries gone by and Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And think about some of your modern day heroes, those that have lived in my lifetime and invested, such as Vance Havner and A.W. Tozer and the great preacher Adrian Rogers. You say, man, what, these folks, they're gone. They're no longer. I'll tell you what, that's not true. You can get on the internet today and you can go to lwf.org and you can listen to everything Adrian ever preached. You can print off stuff, you can listen, you can purchase resources, you can do whatever you want to do, and you can still be affected by the ministry of one. Listen here, that even though his physical life is over, he is still speaking through the gospel message simply because of one reason, that he was a seed that was willing to die in the soil of the word of God and is now springing forth a new life and is influencing a new generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, I pray that your life, my life, and the life of all God's people would be so affected that we would refuse to let our lives simply end with our physical death, but that we would continue to speak for generations to come because we died in the soul of the Word of God. Amen, 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 and amen. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. I honestly don't see much spiritual fruit coming forth from my life. You say, preacher, if that's true, what could be the problem? Well, honestly, I believe the simple truth is this, is many people are not yielding fruit in their life because they haven't completely died yet. You say, what do you mean? I mean, it could be possible that you might be stopping short of total surrender and you haven't immersed your life fully in the fertile soil of the Word of God. Many today still want things their way, and they only ask for God's help when they're in trouble. 
Sir, now ma'am, listen. I want you to hear me for just a minute. God made you for more than that. God desires for you to confess your sins and receive his dear son as Savior and then he desires for you to die to yourself. He does so because he wants you to live for him. He wants you to bear spiritual fruit that will last for eternity. Ladies and gentlemen, he went to the cross so you could be more than just a mediocre American Christian. Ladies and gentlemen, in American society today, we've taken Christianity and we've defined it as the people that go to church once a month. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know coming to church once a month will not make you a Christian. When you become a Christian, you will want to be around the Word of God. You'll want to be around the people of God. You'll want to sing the songs of God. You'll want to be indwelled and empowered by the Spirit of God. You will want to have all things of your life wrapped around your relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of that, you will refuse to say, you know what, I just kind of want to get through this thing. I just kind of want, you know how we used to do in school, and I was terrible about this as a high school student. I thought, man, if I could just get through and pass, I'll be fine. If I could just pass, that'll be good enough. That's not good enough. It's not just about passing. It's about finishing faithful. More to it than just going through the motions. You want spiritual fruit from your life. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Surrender yourself to the will of God. And ladies and gentlemen, I am persuaded to believe based on the integrity of the word of God and the authority of the scripture today that he will use you and you will see God do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think if you would just totally submit yourself to him. There's some certainty of suffering. But I got to hurry today. I really don't have to, but I'm going to, okay? There's not just certainty of suffering, but notice verse 25. There are some conditions of surrender that we're just talking about. Notice what Jesus said about our attitude towards our lives in verse 25. Did you see that? He makes it very clear. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now let me explain what he means. There are a lot of people today who love their life, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. I'm not talking about that at all. You say, does this mean that I should not attempt to enjoy the life that God has given me, absolutely not. We should enjoy what we do, but the reference here is to preferring the pleasures of this life over your relationship with Christ. There is a difference. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and following says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father but of the world. And the world is passing away. You might want to underline that in verse 17, 1 John 2, 17. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Here's what John understood. He understood what Jesus was talking about because when he tells us to not love the world, there's a Greek word for that called cosmos, which means the world system. Don't love the world system. If you love this world system, I want you to hear me. You do not have a biblical worldview, and you're living in a direct contradiction to the Word of God because this world system is all messed up, but the Word of God is true cover to cover. Now listen. 
it, I believe it's fine for a Christian to enjoy life and all God's creation. I really do. But it's dangerous for us to fall in love with the world system. There are a lot of people in our churches today and on our rolls who believe that they are going to heaven when they die, but yet they have not been transformed by the power of the cross. They have not repented of their sins. They have not been cleansed with the blood of Calvary. They have not trusted Jesus and him alone. They've made a cultural decision to become a member of a Baptist church and not a member of the family of God. This is not about cultural decisions. This is about your eternity. And your eternity is based on whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus. And the only way to have a relationship with Jesus is through repentance, trusting him as Savior, being cleansed from your sin because of him, and trusting him to be your Lord. So many today are in love with this world system. They're in love with what's going on. They forsake Christ and his church, and they want to be molded into the world's view instead of God's view of the world. Don't let the world shape your view of God. Let God shape your view of the world. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. One of my favorite verses, Paul said this. I've been crucified with Christ. It's the Christ life, the crucified life. He said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Wow, that's something else. Notice with me a couple things about surrender. Here's what surrender is going to do in your life, okay? Surrender is going to affect a few things about you. Surrender is going to affect your focus. It's right there on your, hand, on your outline on the page. See, your relationship with Christ should affect how you view things, and your view must always be shaped by God's Word. Uh, we're really seeing in this culture we're living in how so many people's worldview has been shaped by anything other than the Word of God. We're seeing that over and over, and it's rampant around us. And can I just plead with you today as we start into this week and as we begin tomorrow, Monday the 18th, and, and get toward Inauguration Day on Wednesday and, and the possible buildup of, of, of criminal activity and all these different things you're probably going to see on the news. I, I just want you to know, let what you see taking place in front of you be shaped by what God said and not by what any media outlet says. Let the Word of God take you through through this storm surrender will not only affect your focus it will also affect your friends now, now think about this your relationships will be affected by your relationship with Christ and this is both positive and negative your relationships that you have horizontally here on earth with other people will ultimately be affected by the vertical relationship you have with God now here's the positive by having a relationship with God, you can make lots of new friends. Friends that will be friends forever. Friends that will be your friend from now to eternity. Man, that's a wonderful blessing. You'll meet people who have a common heartbeat, who have a common purpose just like you, who love God the way you do and want to see great things accomplished in your life as you do theirs. Boy, you make some new friends. But it will also cause you to not be able to keep some. 
Now, I'm not telling you that you disregard anybody, that you're better than anybody, but because you have chosen a new path and because God has captured your heart and life, you're going to think differently, you're going to talk differently, you're going to walk differently, you're going to make new decisions, you're going to go places differently, you're not going to go some places you used to go, you're going to stay away from things, you're going to keep some things from invading your heart and life, you're going to put up some guardrails and boundaries around your heart and life, you're going to set a garrison about your soul, you're going to take Proverbs 4.23 to heart to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issue of life you're going to watch what goes in your eyes what goes in your ears and what goes into your mind what takes root in your heart things are going to change about you and some people used to be your friend won't be your friend anymore because they'll think you're a fanatic well that's okay if I'm going to be a fanatic about anything it's going to be Jesus. I don't know about you, but last Monday night, just for the record's sake, there was a game, if y'all missed it, you know, number, numero 18 whatever, 18, however you do that, unto 18. Nevertheless, I mean, you know what? I was excited about that. I was passionate about that. I cheered for my team. When we won, it was a great feeling. But you know what? All of that subsides. All of that's temporary. But what Jesus has done for us is eternal, and it doesn't subside. He walks with us and talks with us. He keeps us a long last way we can trust him him and he will be a friend according to Proverbs 18 24 that sticks closer than a brother surrender also will affect your future you say yeah I know I'm going to heaven when I die if you're a child of God yes it will affect your future in heaven but it also affects the future that you have left here on earth see as followers of Christ the decisions about your future will be made by doing what will bring the greatest glory to him that's so important. You won't make decisions anymore just about what makes you feel good or what makes you feel accepted or any of that kind of stuff. You will make decisions based on the fact that your life was meant to bring glory to God. And then I want you to notice the final thing with me today in verse 26. I want you to notice the commission of service. Did you see that in verse 26? Boy, it's very, very plain. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, let my him my father will honor here's what the Bible says in Psalm 100 verse 2 and 3 he says serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence with singing y'all know I'm not a singer don't even, even claim to be or nothing like that but I'll tell you singing is one of the things that helps bring great joy to my heart because there's something about the medicine of music that just brings a, a, a balm, if you will, just a soothing comfort sometimes and just come before his presence with singing. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we not ourselves and we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. As a child of God, aren't you glad you belong to a sovereign and holy God and that you're in his pasture and you're never beyond his all-seeing eye or his all-reaching hand or his all-hearing ear? So what about our service? Let me give you three quick things. Our service will cause us to encounter persecution. I wish I could tell you that following Jesus would just be the simplest, smoothest life. You can, but, but, but friend, that would be a lie. Because when you take a stand for truth in a world that is bent on doing wrong, you're going to encounter times where you will be persecuted simply because of your relationship with Jesus. Here's what Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 12. He said, Timothy, all, that's you, me, and every, all who live godly in Christ Jesus 
will suffer persecution. Didn't leave anybody out. He's telling young Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, just be of good cheer here. If you're being persecuted, it is clear evidence that you belong to God. Wow, what a thing. So it's important we understand that, that we will encounter persecution. Here's the second thing. Our service will cause us to experience problems. See, our problems should always do something for us to help us. Our problems should drive us to deepen that prayer life we talked about earlier. It should cause us to be more transparent before God and others. It should cause us to be more open to a lost world about our relationship with Jesus. It should cause us to call on him when things are bad and even when things are good. It should cause us to deepen our prayer life. So church, I want you to hear me. There's truly only one desire that I have in whatever days or years I have left to serve God and his church. And that desire is to see God move mightily among his people. Not just a, just a quick spurt, but a long hot burn. A real movement of God. A real awakening across the church, across counties and states and across the nation. I really desire to see that. And the desire is to experience a mighty outpouring of the Spirit. And the desire that I have is to see the glory of God fall on his church. I was just talking to, to my oldest daughter, Kate, last night. We were uh, talking, and she said, or this was Friday night, might have been. She said, you know, Dad, she said, some of my best memories when I was young is when I was little, and you'd take me to the pastor's conference at the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, and she said, I remember when we met Adrian Rogers, and I remember when we saw Charles Billingsley sing for the first time. I remember when that choir sang. I remember Jerry Vines preaching on the rapture. I remember all this stuff, and I used to look so forward to it, and he said, you know, Dad, I don't know. I said, I want to tell you. I want to tell you exactly why I carried my children and stuff like that. I wanted them to see what it was like when the glory of God fell on his church and I didn't want them to be shocked when they saw it. I wanted them to live for it and hunger for it and believe in it that if it could happen in Jacksonville, Florida it can happen in Heflin, Alabama it can happen in East Tennessee even where all that orange is. I'm telling you it can happen anywhere ladies and gentlemen that people will call on God also as people of God I believe today more than ever even in the midst of what we're about we need to trust God for a mighty outpouring of his spirit that he might let his glory fall on on his church. Oh, how I long for that. A.T. Pearson said this, from the day of Pentecost, there has not been one great spiritual awakening in any land which has not begun in a union of prayer. Though only among two or three, no such outward or upward movement has continued after such prayer meetings have declined. Maybe the reason we don't see the glory of God on the church today is because the prayer meeting is not important. The prayer meeting is secondary. The prayer closets are empty. It could be that we're not seeing a movement of God because the people of God have vacated the altar of God. Finally, our service calls us to endure pain. You've heard it, no pain, no gain. <laughs> well, this statement's also true in our Christian walk. 
It's been my experience that when I've grown the closest to God and when he has taught me the greatest lessons was when I was walking through the valley of difficulty and discouragement. Several years ago now, it's been probably 10 years ago now. <clears throat> there was a very, almost 10 years, there was a very popular man that many of you have benefited from his research and work. I am today right here. I have in my, my pocket um, something that I hold because of his work. An Apple iPhone, and you've probably heard the name Steve Jobs a time or two. He was a co-founder of Apple. Passed away about 10 years ago at the age of 56. The older I get, that's a young man, a very young man. He had a very serious pancreatic cancer and passed away. And a few years before that, Stanford University, he gave a commencement address in 2005. And he said this to that group of graduating seniors, Stanford University in 2005. He said, your time is limited, and I quote, don't Spend it living someone else's life. Now, now, stay with me for a minute. I'm certainly not critical of Mr. Jobs by no means. I just want you to listen to what he said, and then I want you to listen to what the Word said. He said, your time is limited. That's, I, I agree with that. James 4.14 says, your life is but a vapor. It appears for a short time and vanishes away. He says, so... Because you've got limited time, he said this, don't spend it living someone else's life. Now that part's not correct. Colossians chapter 3. Paul said, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Here's the verse, verse 3. For you died. For the child of God, listen, you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Don't spend your life living someone else's life. And here's what Paul is teaching us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's saying spend your life living the Christ life. Spend your life living your life for his glory. Spend your life living the life as he lived. Because you died and everything about your life is hidden with Christ and God. It's his life, not mine. I love that song, and my, my daughters have sung it, and I love it. Uh, Tally's made it very popular years ago called His Life for Mine. And here's what the chorus said. It said, His life for mine. His life for mine. How could it ever be that he would die, God's son would die, to save a wretch like me, what love divine, he gave his life for mine. And because he gave his life for mine, I must give my life for his. And my life must be hidden in him. Let me share something with you before we close i got a lot of special things in my life that are special to me, and I know you do too. And I'm holding in my hand 
two special books to me. Now let me tell you why they're special. Number one, these are two copies of the Word of God. But they're not just any copies of the Word of God. You see, this copy right here belonged to my great-grandmother, Cheatwood. Y'all don't hold that against me. My grandmother was a Cheatwood. She can't help it. And she was the shining light of that crowd. I'll tell you that right now. And any of my Cheatwood friends that are listening, family members, George, Alabama, you know it's true. And she made the best coconut cake without a recipe. So you love Joy Burnus. I'll tell you that right now. You would. Now, my grandmother was a Cheatwood. This was her mother's Bible who lived from 1894 to 1989. 1894 to 1989. And this was my grandmother's Bible. She lived from 1918 to 2014. My great-grandmother was 95. My grandmother was 96. That means I've got good genes, church. That means y'all might be stuck with me for a long time, right? And all God's people said, oh, me, right? No, hey, listen. But they're special. I'll tell you, these books are torn and tattered. My grandmother's Bible here, just written stuff, all sorts of little things she left in there, things she marked, days where she heard sermons and she marked them down. I noticed she didn't document any of mine, so I'm sure that's okay. No, I'm kidding. She's probably did somewhere here. Left her bookmarks. My, my great-grandmother's Bible here is really in foul shape. I'm, I have to keep it kind of in plastic. And she's even got listed in here. Y'all know what these are. Those those little things they used. To, she called them step ins. They're like knee high pantyhose. I'm saying she kept them. But here's what she she wrote on the back. The name of every person that attended her 90th birthday in 1984. And guess whose name's on that? Yeah, Brent Thompson right there. And she wrote 39 people showed up. She's even got her little stuff in here. This I'm telling you, it's just amazing. Just great to have these things. But you know, as special as those are, I want to tell you why they matter to me most because they represent a legacy they represent of something left behind they represent of those who have gone on before us who are counting on us to be faithful to the finish you know you may have some special things you may have some remembrances of those who have gone on before you but see, when I hold this Bible here, my grandmother's, I, it's just torn and it's held together with scotch tape. <laughs> I can only imagine the prayers that she prayed while reading this Bible. Maybe, maybe for me. And as much as these things encourage me, here's what moves me. Is that Jesus Christ went to the cross for a wretch like me. And he reminds me that in feast or famine, the good times are bad, whether we're praising him for the power of God falling on the church or whether we're persevering through a pandemic, we know that he is faithful. And here's my prayer for you, church, as we move into this week. My prayer for you is simply this, is that you would live the Christ life. Don't let the world shape you. Don't let the world shape your image of God. You let your relationship with God shape your view of the world. Be faithful, be productive, 
serving to return. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for how you challenged me, God, to be all yours and none of mine. God, there are hurting people all around us. God, we lift them to your throne today. God, there are people today that need a mighty move on their health and their home and everything else. God, we lift them up to you today. God, we lift a nation that's in turmoil up to you today. But even though there's turmoil on our soil, there is peace in your presence. God, work in the lives of your people this week. May we call on you faithfully and may we do what you say. And we give you glory for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you look this way before we dismiss? Uh, this week, don't forget, 6 o'clock Wednesday night, next Sunday 9 and 10.30 is our plan. Anything changes, we'll come back, do videos, do calling posts. We'll get out the uh, word the very best we can. But most importantly, if the Lord Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, has spoken to your life today and has made you aware of a decision you need to make, there's several ways you can get our attention and we can get in contact with you. You can simply call us at 256-463-2576. You can leave us a message, a, a private message on our Facebook page. You can send an email through our website, the Heflin Baptist at CenturyTale.net. And our website is HeflinBaptist.org. You can keep those things there for us. You can contact us all those ways. And either way you choose, we'll check that regularly. We want to help you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need one. You don't just need one. Your eternal destination depends on it. If you're lost without God and God's made you aware, look, you're not going to heaven, you're lost, please reach out to us so we can reach back to you and help you get a hold of heaven. If you are a child of God and you say, you know, I'm struggling. If you are, I want you to know you're not alone. But I also want you to know your struggle matters to God. Just because there are millions struggling doesn't mean you don't matter. You do matter. We can help you through your struggle, help you any way. Please don't be too prideful to reach out to us. Don't allow the enemy to get a victory over you and say, you know what, you can handle this. Maybe you can, but I'm telling you, without him, we can't. We want to help you. If you're watching today and you're visiting our church or you say, you know what, I need to make some decisions about my obedience, my relationship with God and my service to the church or whatever, look, reach out to us. We'll reach back and we'll help you. Whatever decisions you need to make, we want you to make those that uh, will honor God. So this week, read the word, talk to God, listen to God, do what he says. Be faithful, be fruitful, but never forget that he loves you and I love you. There's not a thing you can do about it. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday at 6. Thank you, Brother Steve. <laughs> I probably did.